really need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Good morning and welcome to Buffalo What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, your host and producer. And uh, today we're going to be breaking down something that for many is very daunting, very com- com- complex, uh, legal, law, the world of law. And I'm joined by two ladies that are uh, practitioners of, of the law. Uh, I'm joined by Gretchen Gonzalez and Maria Valeri of the Volunteer Lawyers Project. How are you ladies? Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Great to be here. I'm super excited to have you all here to hopefully help uh, navigate this this very uh, convoluted field that you all chose to to join and and, and be a, be a part of. But uh, I really want to highlight what the Volunteer Lawyers Project is. For those that are unaware, it's it started now. It's in its 40th year, correct? Yes, that's right. A uh, big year for for the VLP uh, between the Neighborhood Legal Services and the Erie County Bar Association. They in 1983, they kind of came together and and the VLP was born, right? Yes, it was initially a project of the Bar Association of Erie County and Neighborhood Legal Services in 1983. And when it started, there was one attorney and uh, two other people running the pro- project. And then it grew so much that it, um, we decided to break off and become our own entity. And so now we are about 50 employees between two offices, one in Buffalo and one in Batavia. And the major point here is the the mission of the Volunteer Lawyers Project, which is to provide quality, free civil legal services for low income people and not not for profit organizations. Correct? Yes. Yes. And it's it's we have a dual mission, so that's the first half. And ah. the second half is to involve volunteers in the delivery of those services. So we have we are a civil legal services organization which means we provide free civil legal services to low-income people, and we do that through attorneys that we have on staff. So like I said, I have a staff of about 50 people. Um, And through our volunteers, we have a bank of over 400 attorneys in private practice that volunteer their time to take cases through us for free for our clients. And if I didn't mention off the top, Gretchen, you're the CEO of of Volunteers Delivers Project. Maria, you're the pro bono manager at the the VLP. Yes. Uh, So you're in charge of finding these these attorneys, these these lawyers to, to help in your mission. Yes, finding them, offering them, you know, training, mentorship, placing them with cases that hopefully they'll have a good experience with so that they'll volunteer again. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, pro bono is a big umbrella. It's not just the volunteers. It's also um, helping students, placing students with internships um, in the hopes that they become a part of private public interest law and, and want to come and perhaps stay involved with us beyond graduation, but yeah. 
Yeah. The bars, I mean, the Bar Association of Erie County and Erie County in general, the legal community has a long history of pro bono work. Um, we're very lucky in that way in Erie County that, you know, there are so many, so many volunteers that we have, so many lawyers who really want to help and recognize that they have a unique skill set that can be of use to people who are, um, you know, at, at a disadvantage and wouldn't be able to afford their services. It's, it's a great win-win for everybody. Because yes. you're helping uh, a necessary uh, a part of our population that just can't afford the legal services, but you're also giving aspiring attorneys and uh, the, the reps that you need. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, feeling good about it, I, I hope. Yes. You know, and it's an opportunity for our volunteers. You know, sometimes they want to volunteer in their in their wheelhouse, in the, the area that they're comfortable in. And we love that because then we don't have to I mean, we don't have to give them as much mentoring. But it's also an opportunity for them to learn uh, other areas of the law and maybe step outside of that wheelhouse a little bit and gain some new skills. And we provide, like Maria said, full training and mentorship where they're, you know, we're not going to just hand you a case and say, you know, go for it. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. No. <laughs> um, we're there every step of the way to help you with it and make sure that, that there's a good result for our clients and for, and for the attorney that's volunteering. Yeah, we try to make sure, um, too, that, again, we want all of our volunteers to have a great experience. So when you do sign up to volunteer with us, um, if I have a case that's in your wheelhouse and it's something you mentioned you'd like to do, I don't just send it over to you. You know, you mm -hmm. get a phone call. What's your bandwidth looking like? This is what I have. Can you take it right now? And a lot of our volunteers, you know, if the timing's right, yes, send it over. Otherwise, you know, I got a trial coming up. You know, can you hit me up in a couple months? All that's acceptable. So I always want attorneys to know if they're thinking about volunteering, they have control over when they volunteer and what types of cases they, they receive. It's not just a, okay, here you go. So... Want to make that point? Yeah, and additionally, you know, I always say if you have an hour, we have a pro bono opportunity for you, because <laughs> <laughs> we um, we don't just do full rep cases. I mean, we love our, our attorneys that do full rep cases from beginning to end. That's wonderful. But we also have a lot of um, clinics in the courthouses in different areas where people can do what's called limited scope um, volunteering, and they they're just there for the day, giving out real time advice and counsel to people, helping them with their immediate issue, and then they don't take anything home. There's no homework. There's no follow up, um, but they've really made a difference in that person's you know life that day. And as far as the the service areas, it's pretty robust what the Volunteer Lawyers Project does. Um, I mean, I'm just going to rattle off some bankruptcy and debt, divorce. Uh, a lot of family law, estates and wills, housing, eviction defense, immigration. We're going to get into the, that prickly uh, fields uh, eventually, but um, you've got uh, legal services for positive families and individuals, uh, something that you specialize in, correct, Gretchen? Yes. When I first started at VLP, I was a staff attorney in our in that program, and that program provides uh, generalist legal services, so basically any sort of civil case under the sun for people who are affected by HIV and AIDS. Uh, there's micro entrepreneurship programs that you offer for low income folks trying to start their own businesses. Uh, something that in itself is uh, quite daunting for 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 uh, domestic residents and, and citizens. Uh, you also have nonprofit organizations that you, you service. Uh, property tax foreclosure law, tort. We're not going to get into torts today because that's uh, <laughs> the riveting field of tort defense. But, <laughs> Uh, just those are some of the the, the, the subject and service areas that you all service, yeah. Yeah. and it's 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 great. It's a great service you're providing. Um, yeah, it's something that um, you know. I think that a lot of people don't recognize unless you've been in legal trouble, unless you've had an, an issue that comes up. You know, we've all been. 
inundated with the Miranda warnings that you see on the t- on the TV on the cop shows. You know, you mm-hmm. if you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. But that's not true in all cases. So if you're facing the loss of your home to eviction, you're not entitled to a free attorney. If you want to get visitation of your grandchildren, you're not entitled to a free attorney. Um, you know, all of the, if you're if you're about to lose your home in property tax foreclosure, you're not entitled to an attorney. So that's where organizations like mine and the other four civil legal services organizations in in the city come in to to fill that gap and try to assist people. And I, I glossed over name change. I thought that was when I was first looking at everything that that the VLP does. Uh, I was like name change, huh? That sound sound like a vanity uh, service, but it serves a very vital one for the underserved. Yes. populations that they, that they... Yes, there's a lot of different ways that the name changes come into our office. Um, you know, there is you know, people who are transgender who want to change their name and their gender marker. We do that. Um, there's also, you know, I had a case once where there was a, a child whose name was misspelled on her birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to do the name change to, to make sure that her documents were correct going forward. Um, we recently had uh, an immigration client who... Um, in his home country, everybody just has one name, not two names, not a first name and a last name the way that we do here. And as you can imagine, with all of your you know, governmental paperwork and, and, and things like that, just getting a driver's license and stuff like that, not having a first name and a last name becomes problematic. So mm-hmm. we're doing a name change for him to be able to, to give him that first and last name. I think one of the other areas that maybe we didn't put on the list, but uh, people tend to not know about is our low-income taxpayer clinic. And that's another one when I first heard it, I'm like, how? why are we helping? How do we, we're helping poor people. Why do they owe taxes, whatnot? There's a lot of people who are in disputes with the federal government, most times because they filed a tax return, claimed a credit, got the money, and then the government has come back and said, oh, no, you weren't entitled to that credit. Well, now they owe this money back. They can't pay it. Interest and penalties are accruing. So our um, low-income taxpayer clinic assists those uh, individuals through those disputes with the federal government to and the IRS um, to, to um, get that under control. Yeah, the other thing that we've seen in our low-income taxpayer clinic over the years is occasionally there are a lot of um, bad actors who, um, you know, commit some fraud mm. with our clients, you know, convince our clients that they're they're eligible for some things that they're not. Um, they'll take a large uh, percentage of whatever refund that they get and then fly, fly by night. So we've done, there was uh, a couple of years ago, there was a big a scam that was going through the Burmese community. And recently there was another scam that was going through our, our, our new Afghan community that was coming into to Buffalo. And so we worked with the low income taxpayer clinic in our office to remedy those problems for the individuals, but we also worked with the government to try and bring the bad actors to justice and give them as much information as we could about people who are taking advantage of our clients. We met at the uh, Erie County Bars Association Law Day Awards, and we were, we were speaking about that because I'm from the land of that. Uh, I'm from Miami, Florida, which unfortunately you would you would hope that uh, these bad actors wouldn't be pre- preying on, on the people that needed the most. And in our case down there, it's a lot of uh, healthcare uh, uh, fraud and and it's folks that don't know the legal system. They don't know what's what's what their rights are. And I'm I'm glad that there are organizations such as the Volunteer Lawyers Project that are helping curb that that nefarious uh, work. So from from these these bad uh, bad bad folks, um, the l- largest amount of, of workload or caseload is coming in the areas of immigration and housing eviction, correct? Is that Immigration, safe to say? housing, and family law are our biggest areas, yes. 
and like I said, we 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 got to devote an entire segment uh, to to immigration itself because that is a it's it's that's one that's constantly a conversation to be had. But uh, as far as housing and and the eviction defense, what are the major uh, scenarios that you're, you're that you tackle? Well, we're really still in a situation where um, there's a very high volume of cases coming through both Buffalo City Court and Erie County um, Hub Court. So, um, and a lot of that is stemming still from the pandemic. Um, there was a huge wave of uh, eviction cases that came out after the pandemic for people who weren't able to pay their rent during during the pandemic. After the uh, eviction moratorium ended, correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, and in preparation for that, we worked with the other legal services providers in the area and the court system to create the Erie County Hub Court, um, which consolidated all the town and village courts into one housing part that's housed in um, Buffalo City Court and cases are heard virtually. Um, and the reason why that was important is because there were... Uh, I, I might get the number wrong, but I believe it was 35 town and village courts throughout Erie County, all hearing eviction cases. And there's only five civil legal services organizations in the county. And so it was impossible, you know, logistically for us to be able to serve all those people and, and get to all those courts. So consolidating them in one place allowed us to form, along with Neighborhood Legal Services, the Western New York Law Center, uh, Legal Aid um, Bureau of Buffalo. Um, I'm missing one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was watching the TV behind me. <laughs> and uh, Neighborhood Legal Services. And we formed uh, the Western New York Eviction Prevention. Oh, Center for Elder Law and Justice. That's the one I was missing. I'm sorry. We formed the Western New York Eviction Prevention Project. And we are now in Hub Court and Buffalo City Court every day for people who are uh, unable to pay for representation for themselves, for the tenants to be able to represent them. That was impressive. I have notes. I have about five pages of notes, and, and you just rattled all that off off, off the dome. That's impressive. <laughs> Without Maria's help, Maria. No, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just find being in this studio so it's interesting. First time, yes. first time in, yes. a, in a radio mm-hmm. studio. This is, yeah, I love it. Well, uh, so far it's been a fantastic interview. We're going to get to more with uh, Maria and Gretchen, uh, but first we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Buffalo What's Next after this. I'm Ira Flato. On Science Friday, we wonder about the secrets of nature and meet the scientists finding the keys to the universe, like Black Hole Maven Jan 11. I think it's really important as a scientist not to put a belief system first. The whole point is to explore the unknown. Come explore with us. It's all on Science Friday. Catch Science Friday, Fridays at 10 p.m. on WBFO. PBS Kids' fun and educational content is available wherever you are in Western New York, whenever you want. Live stream the channel at wned.org slash pbskids, and while you're there, you can play games, watch videos from your favorite shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Molly of Denali, and Alma's Way. And you'll find resources for parents and teachers. Visit wned.org slash pbskids today. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. We're back on Buffalo What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and today I'm joined by Gretchen Gonzalez and Maria Valeri of the Volunteer Lawyers Project. It's a 
uh, legal, they provide legal services to low-income people, uh, non, non-for-profit organizations, smaller non-for-profits, uh, and pro bono work for, for those that need it and can't afford it, uh, as well as also uh, to involve volunteers and, and, and legal volunteers in the delivery of those services. Yes. Got that right this time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as we mentioned, the, the, the laundry list of, of, of service areas that you all uh, help those those individuals with, uh, the big ones being housing, family law, and immigration. We're going to delve into those now uh, in, in a little bit more detail, but um, you're seeing a lot of a lot of uh, you're also you're also helping out the uh, the the some clients who were eligible for compassion funds set up after the May 14th top shooting can you elaborate yes when we heard um, about the compassion fund and that it was being set up we uh, immediately recognized that some of our clients were going to have issues if they received money from that fund because they're um, some of our clients are receiving public benefits and public benefits have income restrictions and eligibility requirements mm. and so if you get a large payout there's a possibility that you could lose those benefits it kicks going you out forward. of other Right. So we reached out to the Compassion Fund and, and in conjunction with the other four legal services organizations. So that's Neighborhood Legal Services, Western New York Law Center, Legal Aid um, Bureau of Buffalo and Center for Elder Law and Justice. I got them all this yes, time. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> and all together, we, we joined forces to be able to serve that community and give those um, those clients advice about how to, you know, what was going to happen to their benefits and how to maybe um, address that issue before they were going to receive their funding um, to create. Like, there's, there's if, for example, if you're on SSI, you're disabled and you're receiving monies, um, you can create what's called a special needs trust. Um, to to put some of your assets in that, and then that money is is used specifically for your rent, for your groceries, and for like things your basic needs mm-hmm. going forward. And it still allows you to maintain your SSI benefits. So things like that. Um, we also um, got some funding, all five organizations, uh, in conjunction with Center for Resolution and Justice as well. Um, to provide some Know Your Rights um, trainings at the Resiliency Center. Um, and actually, that kind of morphed into now we're doing legal clinics there. So we're, we're there once a month um, to provide on-site legal advice and counsel to people with any sort of uh, legal issue under the sun that can come in. And let's get into it. Immigration law. Uh, sure. We are, we are a, we can consider Buffalo a border city. A, a, it's yes. definitely a sanctuary city. Uh, we have Toronto right right nearby. Uh, I, I recently spoke with Matt Tice. Uh, he's the in charge of the Vive Shelter, one of the uh, the many uh, refugee refugee resettlement agencies in our area. And he's just the main thing is they're inundated with with folks. Yes. Uh, unfortunate asylum seekers that are caught in in limbo because uh, this this the process to legalize residency or Naturalization is just such a a lengthy and convoluted and a lot of hurdles to to, to clear. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I'm curious uh, to hear your your side being involved with with uh, our asylum seekers. How how what are we dealing with as far as a timeline? How does that how does one go about getting sure. legal? Uh, residency. Sure. So before I, I answer that question, I just want to say, you know, a lot of people don't understand why immigration is an issue in Buffalo. Um, okay. It's an issue in Buffalo because we have the immigration court here in Buffalo, and that court hears all cases in New York State outside of New York City. 
So gotcha. all the cases are coming through Buffalo at some point. Um, and, you know, uh, we also have a rich history of welcoming immigrants in Buffalo, which is wonderful. Um, our, as you've seen in the news lately, I'm sure our population grew for the first time in 2021 because we were welcoming people from other countries. Um, so people think that it's because we're on the border with Canada and it's people getting caught at the border with Canada, but it's really not. Um, people come in through uh, all different aspects. People, you know, overstay their visas or people come in through the southern border um, and they they end up moving either to where they have family here or they've heard something about Buffalo and they, and they want to be here. Or, you know, they get shipped here um, by the government or by, you know, some of the other states that have been sending people to New York City um, and people end up leaving New York City and ending up in Buffalo. So it really is a Buffalo issue. Um, and so that's the first thing I want to say. So in, at VLP, we have both a detained and a non-detained program. Our office in Batavia is solely immigration. Um, it's about half of what we do, and we have a public defender-style project there that represents everybody who's detained in the federal detention facility out there facing removal. We also have a non-detained program in our Buffalo office um, that's funded primarily through a grant um, from the Office of uh, Victims of Crime, which funds our work that we do with human trafficking victims. And we also have a grant uh, through the Office of Victim Services, which um, is for uh, crime victims, which ends up being a lot of domestic violence um, victims that we help in that project. But in addition to that, because we are the Volunteer Lawyers Project, we're able to serve a lot of other immigration cases by relying on our volunteers. And so, um, I'm going to let Maria talk more about what our volunteers do and our and our new uh, project in the immigration court. Yes. So right now, um, with well, with immigration, even for the non-detained population, um, there's affirmative filing cases and there's defensive filing cases. So there are people who are already in removal proceedings. Um, they need representation, and any filings they do would be considered defensive filings. Those can be tend to be more time-consuming and require court appearances. But there are also a lot of affirmative applications that our clients need to file. Um, for example, um, if they've already had a green card for the amount of time they were required to have it and they're now uh, ready for naturalization, we need attorneys to help represent them and help them get um, their, their United States citizenship. Uh, for people who maybe were granted asylum one year goes by, it's time to file for their green card. Um, so we need um, attorneys to help them through that process. We have trainings um, that... Um, and mentorship for the volunteers that come forward to help these clients. And um, I can say with the affirmative applications, just really rewarding work. There's nothing like handing um, somebody's green card to them for the first time or imagine. being at their oath ceremony when they're sworn in as a, as a U.S. citizen. It is amazing. And they're, they're clients that they never forget you. Every, you know, holiday, birthday, you hear from the clients that you've represented over the years. You, you become a part of, um, you know, the fabric of their life. And in the case of asylum, if you represent somebody and, you know, they're granted asylum, you've, you've changed generations, the future generations of their family. And they, they appreciate that in a way you can't imagine. So... But to speak about the backlog that you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, you know, we heard recently that um, the court here in Buffalo is uh, has a 15-month backlog. Wow. Um, so it's a long time for people to wait. 
Um, and Vive, the shelter that you were speaking mm-hmm. of, is at capacity. Um, it's them. There's Journey's End also that yes. some others that, that, that are helping. All of us are pretty much at capacity. And they're capacity. all kind of in the same, <laughs> same place. But that's why we rely on our volunteers and why we're, we, you know, we want people to volunteer for this. Because like Maria said, it is, these are feel-good cases. Um, you know, you're really changing somebody's life when you're taking an immigration case. And recently we started a, 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 a clinic at the immigration court. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's wonderful. The court actually has been, you know, asking for help dealing with um, their backlog as well. And the best pro bono programs I've learned since I've been doing this are ones where we have the volunteer attorneys, we have our program, and then the courts get behind us. And all together, it's amazing what we can accomplish. So the courts really wanted um, to help us which would in turn help them bring pro bonos and draw attention to the issues and kind of help them streamline. So we are there uh, once a week on Thursday mornings. It's a, it's a day now where both sitting judges have their master calendar dockets running. These are people who are appearing for the first time or second time um, before the judge. And it's the judges are able to say, if you need help finding an attorney, if you'd like some direction, you know, go down the hall after your hearing and meet with the Volunteer Lawyers Project. So it's a nice way for us to um, interview them, uh, screen them for relief, and then work with our partners under this grant in Rochester and Syracuse. And, you know, we make referrals to them and we're able to say, this couple qualifies under the Cuban Adjustment Act, so they know that the, the relief screening's been done. They qualify. Find them a pro bono. That's an easy lift, you know. And then there's also a so it's kind of um, it's a way that we refer to each other, but we're able to do it now with more with more detail and more um, efficiency. That in turn is helping the court because if we make the referral. We find them a pro bono. Then by the time they come back for their second master, they're ready to proceed. They're not asking for additional time. And a lot of people will show up, and all they need is a change of venue. They may be already moved out of state. They came back to Buffalo for their hearing. They they don't want to have to come back to Buffalo again. So the judges have worked it out with us where they'll send them our way. We'll help them do the change of venue. And then they can have it all done and the case moved to, to the court where they now reside while they're there. Um, so it's it's helping everybody. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes it's the smallest little detail that, that goes such a long way. Definitely. Like a change of venue and, and something you wouldn't know. I wouldn't even know how to begin to ask for a change of location or venue for, for adjudication. So Exactly. And and you're an English speaker and you right. live in this country and have some some semblance of understanding of what the legal system is and what the government system is. You know, these these are clients who are English is not their first language and they're they're coming to a new country and they don't understand the systems. So really not having representation is is part of what's slowing down and making the backlog because they don't know how to proceed. The court can't tell them how to proceed. They need representation to be able to do that and that's where we come in. I think right. I saw you you all helped out uh, clients with over 34 different languages. Yes, and that's not just our immigration clients. That's our, our civil legal services clients as well. Gotcha. And, and mm-hmm. that's got to be how – do, how do you navigate that, that language barrier? Well, we have a lot of – we work with the International Institute of, Bus, of Buffalo, um, and they provide um, you know, tra- uh, interpretation services to us. We also have um, some online services that we, that we utilize in that way. And we have a lot of um, attorneys in the office who speak different languages as well. 
Um, but it is, uh, it, it has been a stumbling block for some of our volunteers because it does take a little bit more time. You know, every time that you're meeting with a client, you have to have an interpreter there to be able to speak to that client. And so we really um, would love it if we had some more volunteers who were able to, uh, you know, work with us and get through that barrier. We'll provide, we will pay for and provide the, the in- interpretation services. You mm-hmm. just have to be there with the client to, to, to do the case and do the work. Would they speak with Maria or? They would speak with Maria. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, I make sure that, you know, when they get a referral, that it, it's complete with that information. Um, and I, I think that's another thing. Real quick, if I can, mm-hmm. when you do get a referral from VLP, whether it's an immigration case or a family case, whatever it may be, we've done all of the, the background work for you. We have all the documents that you're going to need. We have the filing fees up front. You get a full referral that you're able to sit down with, review all, and be ready to meet with the client. So we don't ask you to waste your time doing that sort of stuff. The days are the the minutes and, and hours are already numbered for when you're a lawyer. You, you know, I assume you have your days backed up already. Yes. It's really just if you have that, like you said, that one hour or two that you can spare, uh, it will go a long way. Definitely. Uh, I'm speaking with Gretchen Gonzalez and Maria Valeri. They're uh, with the Volunteer Lawyers Project. We're, we're kind of del- diving into all the 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 legal hurdles that that are. Uh, our marginalized and and underrepresented communities here in in Western New York face. Uh, They're helping by providing pro bono work to to, uh, those members. And uh, Maria, what what you mentioned about immigration, uh, it it hits home to me because uh, as my parents were were Cuban Cuban refugees, they came in 1980. And uh, fortunately, we, uh, us Cubans, got got a good shake. Um, Don't get me started on, on... uh, the unfortunate uh, situation with the Haitian uh, population that that don't get that same uh, luxury that we do, and that's 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 a conversation for another day. But right. um, I, me personally, I saw the troubles that they, my parents faced, just getting they had their green card and they wanted to become legal citizens, and that in itself, I I I I, I challenge anyone on the street to take that test because there's a whole process there there's a test that yes. sometimes is not in their native language uh it's learning things that that we learned in civics uh back in eighth grade that that we, we could all benefit uh, from getting a refresher but do you feel that a lot of the logjam that we're seeing in in, in immigration law and, and and the processing of, of cases is it because we have so many barriers or, or hurdles that 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 uh, <coughs> uh that immigrants have to clear or is it is it just the numbers? Is it? I think with anything, it's it's a little bit of of all of it, right? I don't want to say we have too many hurdles because, at the same time, you know those processes are important. Mm-hmm. The vetting that has to be done and and the testing and all of that. You know, we don't want to take any of that away, um, but there just aren't enough people to manage the the flow. And, and the number of people that, that need the assistance. So, you know, I guess at the end of the day, right, it comes down to money like everything else does. But um, I mean, I think providing providing people with representation in immigration proceedings would go a long way to, to fixing the problems. And there there is a bill that's been um, tossed around the, the New York State Legislature, legislature the um, ARA, which is the Rights Council for Im- People Facing Im- with Immigration Problems. And, um, but it hasn't gotten much traction. Um, so <laughs> there, you know, there are some groups that are working towards that and we hope that someday we'll see that, that happen.
And as far as particular uh, populations, uh, VLP has been working alongside the Afghan refugee population that back in, I think, August of 2021, we all saw the, the images from, from Afghanistan where, where everyone just kind of try to get out of as, as where, however possible. We have a large segment of that population here in, in Buffalo. Is that correct? Yes. yes. So um, after the fall of Kabul, um, over 70,000 people were evacuated from Afghanistan by the U.S. government. 600 of those landed in Buffalo. Mm. Um, they landed in Buffalo in um, December of 2021. Um, they were first brought to military bases where they were they were kept there for a little while because there was, you know, it was during COVID. There was COVID mm -hmm. outbreaks and things like that. So they didn't actually get here until December. Um, and they were brought in under uh, humanitarian parole. Um, which is a it's a status that allows them to be here, but it's not a status that that provides an, a pathway to citizenship. And they were given that status for only two years. Um, and so the best way forward for most of these clients was to apply for asylum um, because uh, it would allow them not only to get status for themselves, but also to bring over their family members that they may have, have left in Afghanistan. So you can imagine 600 people. Um, that <laughs> was a, a very large undertaking. And the the Five refugee resettlement agencies were really wonderful and, and really hit the ground running to deal with this big influx when they first got here, getting them housed and and really, you know, getting them the basics of, of life to, to be able to stay here. And then in about May of the following year, April or May, um, the International Institute of Buffalo reached out to VLP and said, you know, we, we these people need legal help. What can you do? Um, and we were able to um, train up a, a large cohort of volunteers. Hodgson Russ was the first firm that, that jumped on board. They yes. agreed to take 20 cases right out the bat. Um, and by the end of it, we had served over 100 of those, of those clients wow. in filing for asylum. Now, this goes back to the backlog issue. The, the, the government had original, initially set, said that those um, applications for asylum were going to be processed within 150 days. It's been well beyond 150 days um, And now. we're still in limbo. Some of these they're folks very are still, much in still in limbo. There was actually an article in the Buffalo News this morning about mm -hmm. it. Um, it's happening not just in Buffalo, but everywhere. Um, of those people that we applied for, we've only gotten one decision. Wow. Um, and it was for a 14-year-old um, who came over. Derivative, right. Yeah. And it's causing more work now because the time is coming where they will have been here for two years so their parole is going to end which means now they need to renew their work authorization so you know sitting on my desk now is a pile from iib that helped get the signatures and everything and all of those extra hours of work um on everybody's behalf just just to continue this where if the approvals had gone through when they said they were going to be through it right. would have saved us all of this this work and worry you know yeah, and these are these are people who are here because they were helping our government in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So they they have, you know, been ripped out of their country and brought here because they they helped us and their lives are now in danger back in their home country. Um, it's a very sympathetic group of people. Um, you know, I think that everybody can get behind that. They were fighting they were fighting with us. Um, and that's what got them in the situation that they're in. And it's just it's very disheartening to see that they're they're in limbo for for so long. I mean, that's another thing. There is the Afghan Adjustment Act that had been tossed around Congress, but it hasn't gone anywhere. So that's something that could solve the problem um, if our elected representatives, you know, so chose. It's also taking a really long time to get any reunification with their families. A lot of these men, especially the ones that uh, were scooted out of the airport, um, 
those first few days, they didn't have time to go back home and gather their families. So they they've left wives and children behind, and um, that. So it, well, they needed to leave and be here for safety. They also didn't want to be here and didn't want to have to leave their families and end up, you know, in this in this situation. Yes, and their families are in danger back in Afghanistan right. because they're known to be, you know, their that their family member was fighting with the U.S. for the U.S. I should say. It's uh, it's truly unimaginable uh, circumstances. I, like I said, I I, I felt like I, my folks had it made, and you hear all these other stories, and it just breaks your heart. Um, with Matt Tice, real quick before we go to our, our last break, he mentioned uh, uh, other populations coming from Ghana and and from South America. Where are you finding a, a, another? chunk of, of the population coming from to, to western New York? It really ebbs and flows depending mm-hmm. on what's going on. Um, I mean, Maria, what are you seeing at the at the court? We're seeing everything. We're seeing people from Russia, obviously people from, you know, um, the Latin quarter, the southern quarter. Um, we're still seeing Afghanistan's coming, uh, or Afghan people coming in that left the country but didn't, you know, weren't able to leave um, at the time when the U.S. was able to assist leaving we are seeing um, individuals from all over Africa, so it really it, it it's just all from over. All over. Mm-hmm. From all over. Well, we will continue with Gretchen Gonzalez and Maria Valeri in just a bit here on Buffalo. What's next? Uh, we'll be right back after this. Don't miss Fresh Air with Terry Gross weekdays at seven p.m. on WBFO. Did you know that WNED-PBS is always working on great new local shows for you to watch? Documentaries like Kleinhand's Gift to Buffalo, which tells the story of Buffalo's music hall. The hall is very intimate, and that intimacy makes everyone who comes in here feel a part of our family. Fun and educational series like Compact Science. Believe it or not, peppers are technically fruits. And Shakespeare's greatest hits featuring some of his best-known soliloquies and monologues. We are such stuff as dreams are made of. You can watch them all on our website at wned.org slash local shows. While you're there, check out the show pages and mini websites for additional content such as bonus features, photo galleries, and lesson plans. Find it all at wned.org slash local shows. Music can not just help and heal, it can also shape who we are and how we interact with the world. I'm Carl Shalahorn with Mindful Music. Join me every Saturday at 4 p.m. here on WBFO, your NPR station. Learning in the Wild. I'm Bob Hershon, and this is Science Update. Despite our lack of feathers, we share the ability to learn our vocalizations with songbirds. Now researchers have demonstrated for the first time that young birds in the wild can learn from recorded songs. University of Windsor ornithologist Dan Menel and his team played recordings of Savannah Sparrow songs through loudspeakers to young birds on Kent Island in eastern Canada. The recordings were of songs that had never before been heard on the island. When they reached adulthood, a third of the songsters had learned the new songs. The first bird to open his beak produced a song that was a near-perfect match to the sounds that we were playing through our loudspeakers. The researchers write in Current Biology that the birds learned best if they heard the songs as babies and again as young adults. I'm Bob Hershon for AAAS, the Science Society. This is Buffalo What's Next. 
where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Welcome back to Buffalo What's Next. We have a few more minutes here with Gretchen Gonzalez and Maria Valeri of the Volunteer Lawyers Project of Buffalo. Um, I just want to kind of some surface stuff, uh, educate our, our, our listeners who might not be directly uh, needing the services, but what are some common legal tips, recommendations that you find are not so common? So Something that in your line of work you see a lot and, and, and yeah. I should know. Honestly, the biggest thing I can say, and it sounds so simple, but it's don't ignore your court papers. <laughs> um, you know, people, you get bad news in the mail. It's like that bill you don't want to pay and you put it aside and you're like, I'll think about that later. And then all of a sudden you've missed your court date. And when you miss a court date, you get a default judgment against you. And that's 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 really you're then you're really behind the eight ball and trying to claw your way back to getting to where you need to be. So really, you know pay attention don't you know don't put it aside really you know go to court when it when it comes up or call us or call you know call an attorney if you're not eligible for our services the bar association of erie county has a lawyer referral program that you know if you don't know where to start that's a good place to start um if you need to hire an attorney that's a good point because i I was one thing i wanted to ask is how do you go about vetting or or screening for your clients is there so we procedure. have, yes, um, we we have a, a variety of different ways that people get to us. We have our general intake lines, a phone line you call. Um, we will get you to the right person who will do an intake and see if you're eligible for our services. We also have a number of clinics that are in the community. We have our family court help desk that's right in family court, right across this, the way from petition processing. So people who are there to file petitions can come over and we can read over your petition, make sure that you're doing it properly and give you any advice and counsel that you may need that day. Um, and we also have, uh, you know, a number of partnerships with, with, uh, organizations in the community, um, you know, service providers in the community, and they refer cases directly to us. I know Say Yes is one of those partners. Yes, we've had a partnership with Say Yes for a number of years. We used to have legal clinics right in the courts, and then over COVID, it kind of morphed into we started doing these Know Your Rights trainings um, with Say Yes. It's a YouTube series, right? It's a YouTube series, and it's on Facebook Live when they first come out, um, and they've been really popular, very well attended, you know, things like what do you do if you get, you know, if you if you get a non-payment notice, if you're if you're about to be evicted, you know how do you go about filing for child support? You know things like that, and real basic issues to give people the information to get to get the job done. And I'd I'd be remiss in asking, how did you find your your calling? This this how did you get to be being where you're at right now? How can you, you can quickly summarize that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll quickly summarize the last forty years. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, I've always worked in nonprofits. I was, um, I was doing social work before I was a lawyer. I worked at crisis services, um, in their outreach program. And then, um, when I, you know, I, there's always been a, a, a kind of culture of volunteering in my household. Um, my father, um, was an, immigrated here from Columbia mm. and he was a doctor and, um, it wasn't until he passed away that I, you know, I had to go through his estate documents, um, to realize that he really was serving a low income population in his service. He was serving a lot of 
in, in his practice. I mean, he was serving a lot of clients who were on Medicaid, um, and it made perfect sense to me once once I figured that out <laughs> as to why, you know, all of us, you know, my brothers, and my brother was a public defender for a number of years before going to work for D the Department of Justice in their civil rights unit. You know, my, my brother is a middle school teacher. We're all very much in the, in very the helping <laughs> profession. So it's kind of built into me from, from the beginning. And I once I found the law, it was really everything just kind of clicked in. But Maria, you have an interesting story as to how you ended up at VLP. Yeah, I worked for uh, private practitioners up until I've been at VLP a little over seven years now. And I got really burned out, was really unhappy um, in my job, in my life overall, felt overwhelmed and underwater. I did a mission trip to Africa, to, uh, to Ghana, actually, um, to kind of reset and get perspective. And... Uh, it did that and more. I came home and and kind of downsized and, and reprioritized my life. And that included leaving the job and taking some time off and realizing there was this whole public interest part of law. It wasn't the law I wanted to leave. It was just uh, the way the I was doing it. <laughs> yes. And so I um, luckily I, I got into VLP right away and, um, yeah, never, never been happier well a, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be a bad host if i didn't let you uh offer offer an opportunity for aspiring lawyers and, and and those studying law to to get in contact with the vlp how can they do that yes thank you um call ask for maria email me um we have an online submission form if you're interested this goes for young attorneys that need experience um, experienced attorneys who want to help or even experienced attorneys who want to learn a new area of law, um, I can help you with, with any of it. So please, um, yeah, get in touch. Yeah, and for those of you who are not attorneys who want to help us out, yes, um, <laughs> we have a couple of venues for you to do that as well. We have a young professionals board called our Rising Champions for Justice, and that's not just attorneys; it's anybody who wants to help us, you know, continue our mission. Um, those we accept applications for that in the in the beginning of the year in January for our new class coming in, um, and that group is actually holding a fundraiser for us on June twenty first at um, Soho downtown and it's going to be on the roof and uh, hopefully we'll have a nice weather it'll be outside when there'll be um food and drinks and basket raffles of course <laughs> that is very much a buffalo thing i've, I've very, very i've already realized the basket raffle is a necessity yeah, everybody every... loves the basket raffle <laughs> yes and you know the past two the the baskets that this group puts together are amazing phenomenal we have, I think we have one of the big ones that we have is a membership to the Albright Knox that, that we're That we're is be a good one. That's, that's a hot ticket um, this month. <laughs> we have a lot of different gift certificates to places around town. Um, yeah, come out. It'll be a really nice time. And the event's called? It's called Beers for Volunteers. There it is. Beers and Volunteers. You mentioned sorry. it. I was like, I was waiting to hear it. It's a great name. <laughs> Beers and Volunteers. Yeah, it's just me, a, you know, a good time, good time to come out and meet some people, have some, you know, drinks on the rooftop and support a good cause. Um, we also have year, um, every year we have our Champions for Justice Bash. This year is a special year because it's our 40th anniversary. And we'll be having that party at Resurgence uh, Brewery down on Chicago Street um, on October 29th, which is a Friday. Um, and same kind of thing. You know, it's a good night to come out. We we actually rep, um, 
recognize our stellar volunteers and give out awards at that at that event. But it's not a stuffy awards ceremony. We do the awards uh, ahead of time, very quickly in the beginning. No speeches. No no long you know time sitting there no listening monologues. to me. No <laughs> nothing like that. You know we just give out the awards and then it's a big party. So um, we would love it if people would come out to that event or if you want to sponsor either either one of those events with you know reach out to us. We'd be happy to 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 set that up. And for those of us that maybe don't speak another language or can help with with uh, translating services or don't have a law degree, what what would, would be the recommendation for just Joe Schmo off the street to help all these 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 segments of our population that that desperately need it? Is it is it some for, form of uh, law reform? Is it is it just what is it? I mean, there's so many different areas that you you can help. Just as a as a layperson, as not as not a lawyer, like I said, you can support us. You know, you can just keep your mind open and stay, um, you know, uh, informed. I guess is the is the big thing. There are a lot of yes. you know pushes through the legislature and you know calling your elected officials and saying you know I support representation for people facing eviction. I support representation for people facing deportation, um, you know, to let the elected officials know that there is a groundswell of support for these issues and that people do need representation um, in these areas. Agreed. I would just add, be careful of everything you read on social media. A lot of the news channels, even our local ones, are starting to separate fact from fiction. Those are pieces that are worth paying attention to when they're dealing with, you know, issues that, that we're all reading about in the news and whatnot. I think it's, again, staying informed, um, but being careful that the information, the source of the information you're getting is Are you is seeing also... that with the, the population that you, you assist? Uh, is, there a mis- is there any misconceptions there? Yeah, there... you know, um, when the the whole news broke that we might be getting some migrants from New York City, there was, uh, we actually, I was very proud to be a uh, uh, you know a community member Me of Erie too. County that day both for what um, Mark Polencar said mm-hmm. um, and also because we got a call that day from um, Channel 2 News and said can you bring somebody on who can tell us the difference between what is an asylee what is a refugee because there's a lot of misinformation out there and people don't understand you know if they should be upset or not and they don't understand the issues and so one of our um, Carrie Battenfeld our supervising immigration attorney for Buffalo went on the news and, and did that. And we've had, um, we also have a series that we did back in 2017. It was called our Immigration 101 series, which basically did the same things. Like, what does it mean to be a refugee? What does it mean to be an asylee? You know, can you just get citizenship if you marry somebody? You know, <laughs> things <laughs> things like that, they come up all the time. What, you know, that, at that point in time, there was a lot of uh, people using the term anchor baby. Like, what does that mean? And is it a thing? Um, and so <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, and so we have this series of, of videos that is going to be on our social media again. We're going to rerun it on Immigration 101 that really get, breaks it down and gives you, you know, the the facts, the the definitions. Like, what are these things? What do they mean? And we did that in, in collaboration with the... The, with the Rise Collaborative, um, they helped us do that, and um, uh, we were funded by Follow, Follow the Hummingbird to do those spots, and we're really proud of them. So I you know, say, watch those. You know, keep yourself informed. Really get get the information that you need. And I feel like, <clears throat> pardon, I feel like we, I know the answer to to that, but is it UN designation, asylum, asylum e or refugee and just the difference quick. really is that refugees apply for their status when they're outside of our country and asylees mm-hmm. apply for that. So they have to you have to be on U.S. soil to apply for asylum. I see. So when people say, you know, 
these asylees are here illegally. They're here lawfully. They're, they've lawfully requested a status of the U.S. government. Well, once again, I'm with Gretchen Gonzalez and Maria Valeri of the Volunteer Lawyers Project. We have about four more minutes, three more minutes with, with, with you all. But um, you mentioned the housing help, helpline uh, and all the other services that, that you provide, the clinics. Uh, is there What's the best way to, to, to reach out for those services? Is it a website? Is it is we a have, number? Well, like I said, there's many different ways to get to us. We have an online portal on our website that clients can go to and ask for help. Um, we also have our phone line, which is 847-0662 that you can call, and they'll get you to somebody who can do an intake. And again, we're out in the community um, all the time doing outreach and, and at the clinics that we have. Um, yeah. And lastly, um, this is, a, this is the big overarching question that we, we tend to ask on the show. It's the name of the show, but uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of – the last year was very tumultuous, to say the least. Um, we're a year removed from the top shooting. We're, we're seeing an uh, influx of, of migrants from New York City and other places. What do you – what, what does Buffalo need next? What do we need, where do we need to uh, divert our, our efforts and our energies to, to improving our, our – well, that's a huge question. Um, <laughs> I really think that, you know, we are the city of good neighbors, right? And when we come together and work together in, in, in collaboration with each other, that's when we do our best work. And I think that's really what needs to happen. You know, I'll give you an example. When, like I said, you know, we got 600 um, Afghan evacuees back in December of 2021. The community came together and raised a, a lot of money with the resettlement agencies to be able to mm -hmm. help that community. And we were the beneficiary of some of that those funds to be able to do our piece of that work. And so it's really all of the organizations coming together and, you know, our citizens coming together and saying, what can we do to help? You know, whenever I, this is, it may seem silly, but whenever I send my kids off to school, I say to them, okay, so are you going to be a helper today? <laughs> and I really think that that's what we all need to ask ourselves. Are you going to be a helper today? Maria? Yeah, I just think what's next for Buffalo? I mean, hopefully with, you know, VLP and the other uh, partners that we have, that we all continue to be able to do what we do. Uh, with bigger budgets and more money so we can hire more people. <laughs> um, but And just continue the reach and continue fighting for access to justice for um, for all of us. Um, well, I tip my hat off to you both because you your 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 group is definitely doing that in, in tenfold. Um, like I said, as a, as a son of immigrants, I, 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 I can't thank you enough for, for what you're doing to others that are in in, in pretty dire straits. So uh, once again, this is the Volunteer Lawyers Project. You can reach out to your website, which is? ECBAVLP.com. So that's Erie County Bar Association Volunteer Lawyers Project. Gretchen Gonzalez, Maria Valeri, I uh, thank you so much for joining us on Buffalo What's Next today. Thank you thank for having you. us. You've been, listening, you've been listening to Buffalo What's Next and this is WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. Tomorrow on Buffalo What's Next, we're going to have Anjali Preston. She'll be speaking for members from SNUG. So join us tomorrow on Buffalo What's Next, as you always do from 10 to 11 on WBFO, your NPR station. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and thank you for listening. <laughs>